0: You know, something that's in, increasingly interesting to me uh, in education is just how to take, you know, like multidisciplinary approaches, uh, creative approaches like using dance and music and art to teach core concepts or quote unquote core concepts. And not only that, like how to really lean into and invite students to really be a part of the narrative and own the direction of of where the project or the task at hand goes. And today's guest, Catherine Patricia Cobbler, is really, you know, I think an expert at that. So we'll hear a bit about her work and a, a really interesting workshop that you might want to bring to your campus uh, for your students to experience. And yeah, hope you really enjoy today's conversation. Hey, this is Danny. And welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, which means you invest in your continuous growth. You challenge the status quo, just like Catherine Patricia does with her workshops, and you design the future of school now. And we'll be right back after a few messages from our show sponsors. How to recruit, develop, retain, and inspire outstanding individuals and teams to deliver on the vision of your school in leading people. A certificate in school management and leadership course from Harvard. Get started at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at (music) OrganizedBinder.com. Hailing from Canada's capital region, loop pedal violist, composer, and educator Catherine Patricia Cobbler has crafted a singular niche in improvisation and classical performance, bringing creativity to concert halls, schools, and community venues Her work as a performing artist, composer, educator, and speaker centers around multidisciplinary collaborations that both hold space for and tell the life stories of audiences and communities. Catherine, Patricia, welcome to this show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, definitely. Excited uh, to tell your story. We're going to get into that in a bit. Just going to give a shout out to my assistant, Prim, who also uh, hails from Canada. And we had a meeting today. And she was just like so excited that you're going to be on the show. And so, (laughs) Prima, if you're listening, shout out to you. But um, uh, I'm very happy that you're here as well. So, Catherine Patricia, you have a fun story about turning the concert model on its head. Let's start there.
1: Yeah, um, I started as many musicians do. I am a violist and, and have been trained in the Western classical tradition. And so, you know, when I was going through school, some of the things I had thought about were careers in orchestra or chamber music, uh, things that I still enjoy. Uh, but something that was was hard for me was when I was playing in orchestra, um, sometimes I like to say that I'm a Chatty Cathy in the word, in, in the sense that it's my name, but also that in, the, in that sense that I like to talk. In terms of the concert hall experience, when you go to a concert, it's this larger than life experience, but then at the end of the day, The orchestra leaves, the the audience members leaves, and there's no connection. And so for me, I always felt a disconnect there. Mm. And uh, it wasn't until I started playing with the loop pedal, uh, which is this device that I hooked my viola up to that helps me to, you know, sound like I'm a string quartet or a string orchestra. that I was able to engage and to play in more community spaces to go where people are actually active and living and doing life together and to be able to be invited into those spaces and to tell those stories, their stories through music.
0: Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. And like being able to create that connection and that kind of thing, uh, really interesting, right? So um, appreciate you sharing that. Uh, I know your approach to, or you approach your work with uh, co-creation and innovation and we're hearing that already with, uh, making that connection with with the audience, but yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. You know, co creation and innovation in your work.
1: Yeah, thanks, Danny. Uh, I think something that when we go to a concert, you know, we we go to experience something. You know, to enjoy yeah. the music, to the atmosphere, and something that I like to remind myself when I'm performing is that this group of people, this audience, this experience will never be repeated again. And there's something really special and unique about that. And Mm -hmm. so something that I love to do, whether I'm doing a concert in a school setting, you know, with, with, 10 classes sitting in front of me with students yep. and their teachers, or I'm in a concert hall, is to be able to say, well, what does it look like for us to craft the experience together? Uh, right. Here in Canada, I have the pleasure of being on this uh, artist roster with this organization called Multi Multicultural Arts in Schools and Communities, also yeah. known as MASK here in Ottawa. And uh, something that I like to do, and one of my concerts in particular, it's called Unleash, Igniting Creativity Through Art and Sound, is that it's a build your own story adventure, so I provide the soundscape, if you will, and then the students themselves get to respond by either writing or drawing their own story, building their own characters, what adventure the characters will go on through uh, through listening to the music.:
0: Yeah, that sounds uh, like a very unique unique approach. Uh, I can only imagine like how engaging that is, right for the students and the fact that they're all creating what I'm hearing is they're all creating almost a separate story, right? It's their story. Is that is that correct? Am I getting it right or am I off? No,
1: you're, that, you're exactly right, Danny. And the thing yeah. that I love about that is how unique and diverse they are. You know, sure. one student might think of... You know themselves going through uh, a desert landscape, where the other student who heard the same music might think, "No, it's a jungle safari." You know, and yeah. thinking about the the adventures and the different characters. So I I really love that, and also it helps the the students have stake in the experience. You know, like they mm. they get a seat at the table, if you will, and get to create something that's unique to themselves.
0: Yeah. So so thinking about that framework and that really unique approach, you know, that you use, uh, can you can you think of any ways that you might, you know, nudge a classroom teacher uh, in terms of using it in his or her class or maybe even a principal, right, uh, with his or her staff?
1: Yeah, uh, something that I love about music is that it is a beautiful storytelling tool you know and mm-hmm. as we're whether it's a principal you know fostering community among their fellow teachers or in, with their with the students in all the classes or an individual classroom teacher the thing that we want to do is we want to celebrate the individual stories of students but also the classroom culture, the classroom community. And I think that music is a beautiful way of doing that. Uh, Something that I love to do when going into a school setting is inviting students to share what are their passions, you know? And I think that holding space for that. And oftentimes when we do that, when we talk about, you know, whether the different arts or music that kids like to listen to, you find some, some crossover, some cohesiveness, and that can be a great starting point by saying, okay, what does it look like for us to do a project that encompasses all of these artistic passions or musical choices of the students? And I think that that can be really beautiful.
0: Mm. So you asked a powerful question in your workshop, sound in living color. What's the question you ask and why do you start there?
1: Ah, thanks for that question. When I start that workshop, which is a music-inspired painting workshop, I ask the kids, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Mm -hmm. And the reason why I love asking that question is, again, it's a way to center the experience around the students. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a mentor that had told me once, you know, people like to create art that they care about, you know? And when we're inviting them into the artistic experience, it's really important to be able to say, hey, you're here, you're bringing your voice to the table, and not only that, but you matter. And by asking that question, it gets them to think about, you know, what are the possibilities? Where do they want to go? And depending on the age of the student, you know, sometimes students will say, you know, Mm. I want to go to outer space, and then they they craft their painting around that. But I think it can be so powerful to invite students to think about what are their dreams and aspirations. Oftentimes it's places that they've been before or been with people that they care about
0: whether that's family or friends. Yeah, so outer space, that's one place. Any other uh, remarkable locations that you can remember off the top of your head? I'm just wondering.
1: Yeah, uh, I was doing this program and it was just um, in the midst of, I think there have been, you know, sheltering in place during COVID in, in the States yeah, and here yeah. we had these series of lockdowns sure. and there was one where the students, they they thought they were going to be going back to school and then and they weren't. And so they were, you know, in that virtual learning space and also for many students that had planned these vacations with their families. Yeah. And a lot of them, when I had come into the workshop, you know, were kind of lamenting and saying, you know, we were supposed to go to disney world and now we can't go to disney world so that was one of the places that Mm. i had a student choose they were they were kind of thinking about the places that they were supposed to go yeah but in some way it was really powerful because then they could paint their families being there at the amusement park and then be able to say you know we can't go there right now but that's something that we're looking forward to
0: yeah, my nephews and sister, you know, they had a cruise booked and, right, that got postponed for like two years. But having these really creative entry points and that kind of thing, and like you said, centering it on, you know, student voice and inviting that diversity uh, into crafting the lesson, uh, they can make it what they want. And for some of them, they chose to uh, create the thing that they were anticipating, right? So uh, hopefully some of those students got to go do the thing that they missed out on. Can you tell us a bit more? You know, what what is this Sound and Living Color workshop all about? So cool opening, right? And a great question. But I hear some about painting. Like, what do they do? What's the point of the workshop?
1: Yeah, maybe if it's all right, I'll start with kind of my inspiration uh, for it in that, um, before I had actually started as a musician, I actually started as a visual artist first Mm. and had continued to paint and always loved painting as a kid. And even when I was in uh, university or or we call it university college in the States, I often, I was doing studio work and, and painting in the studio, but then I was also, you know, practicing for my performance degree. So visual arts has always been really a part of my life and my practice. And I had gotten to a place professionally where I was, you know, playing professionally and I was done school. And I just really had this longing to, to connect those two crafts together to connect those two loves and to say you know what does it look like for me to pursue a career where I can bring all parts of myself mm-hmm. of my artistic practice yeah. and um, so out of that sound and living color was born so part of what I'm doing in that workshop is I'm comparing how I use my viola bow which when I draw it across the strings makes sound how I use my viola bow to how one would use a paintbrush mm. what are the correlation between those brushes so I'm, I'm actually teaching painting techniques, but I'm also mirroring how I can do those same kind of textures on my viola and getting the kids to look at how there is a, a, a correlation between sound and, how, and the paint itself. And so it's a really in- interesting and unique experience of them hearing live music and then being able to respond to the painting while it's centered around a place that they care about, somewhere that they want to go.
0: Okay, that that makes uh, a lot more sense. And I love the connections and stuff you're, you're talking about. I know uh, one thing that you and I have synergy on and agree with is that it's really important to put on your own oxygen mask right before helping others. And so, yeah, just tell me more, like add to that. Like, why is that so important to you?
1: Yeah, every time I get invited into a school, I always am, I feel both honored, but also I admire the work of teachers and principals. I Mm -hmm. truly feel like that's one of the, the hardest jobs in the world. Uh, and even when I get to interact with the kids afterwards, you can tell the culture of the school, even just from the hour or two that I'm there, when feel, kids feel safe and connected, it's because of the work that teachers and principals are doing. And so I know that that work is, it's so important, but it's also, it's a really hard job. Invest so much of yourself. And so, um, you know, that putting on your oxygen mask first, it's a thing that they always tell you on on planes, right? But in something mm-hmm. that's so important, but we forget, right? That- in order to give out we need to make sure that we're investing in ourselves. You know, yeah. uh, when I talk to different music teachers, talking to them about, you know, you give so much to your students, but always remember that you're a musician as well. And to be able to, to feed that passion, you know, if you're a principal or a leader in your school, what does it look like for you to invest in training or things that really feed you? Yeah. And then out of that, that inspiration, you're able to give so much more to your colleagues, to your fellow teachers and to the
0: students and your, community. Yeah, often I say, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. And educators are really great. They have big hearts, which is a huge strength, but I think also a big weakness. And then when it comes to like that principal position, they're always looking, 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 and they should look for resources and opportunities for staff and students. But they do that and basically starve themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is also not the answer. And so I'm just asking, you know, a ruckus maker listening to imagine a world where actually your needs are being met, you're being nurtured, mentored, coached, you know, and pushed to the next level. And one of my values is when you get better, everybody wins, right? So that's the thing. Like you're the catalyst of your school. So if you take care of yourself, you know, doing all the fundamentals and uh, then also enroll yourself in programs that stretch and grow you, you actually grow your community because your capacity is growing as well. So I uh, appreciate you you riffing on that really quick. Well, um, you know, Catherine, Patricia, I'd love to pause here just for a, a second. And then when we get back, uh, I'd love you to tell the Ruckus Maker where they can find out more about your workshops, like Sound and Living Color or how to connect with you. And I'll ask you the last three questions I ask all my guests. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is proudly sponsored by Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. I know many mastermind members and many ruckus makers who listen to this show that have gone through the program and have loved the experience. But don't just take it from me. Let's hear how some of the Harvard faculty describe the impact and their heart for this program.
1: Leadership is joyful work, empowering others to do their best work. Principals do that with teachers and teachers do that with students and empowering others to educate themselves or to be educated is just one of the most important things we can do in this world. Building, we're building people, we're building the next
0: generation of leaders and educators. Learn more about the program and apply at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. All right, and we're back with Catherine Patricia Cobbler, and she was just describing this really powerful workshop that's available for students and classrooms all over the Sound and Living Color workshop. And so where can the ruckus maker who's interested go next to learn more about this workshop or to connect with you?
1: Ah, thanks so much, Danny. Yeah. Nice so on. as I mentioned earlier, I have the, the pleasure of being on a artist roster here in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada called Multicultural Arts in Schools and Communities. So if you want to check out or t- to book that workshop, you can head on over to www.maskonline.ca And my name is Catherine Patricia Cobbler under the mm-hmm. music rosters. You'll see all of the offerings there. If you want to just look at what I'm up to, uh, my website is www.catherinepatricia.com.
0: Great. And we'll have those linked up for everybody listening uh, in the show notes. So cool. Well, Catherine, Patricia, where would you, what would you put on a school marquee if you could have one message around the world for a single day?
1: I love this question. Actually, I was listening to some of your (laughs) other um, podcast guests and it was so really cool to hear their answers and to be inspired by that. Uh, Something that I would put on, I would say is that in problem solving, choose curiosity over frustration. Mm. You know, whether what we're doing every day, we're always trying to solve problems, right? And I find that sometimes when we're not able to break through or get that breakthrough that we want, it can be frustrating. Yeah. But in le- but instead of, of choosing frustration, if we choose curiosity and allow ourselves to go through that creative process and to say, well, what if,
0: mm. what
1: if this? And I think that oftentimes by asking questions that we can be led to new innovative uh, solutions. To problems.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, the what if question is brilliant. Uh, Another one, just to add another tool, you know, for the ruckus maker listening is like, how might we, you know? Because people are going to resist change. I think that's just kind of natural often. And they'll just be like, nope, can't can't happen. Doesn't work here. Like, it's too hard. We don't have the resources and a million different uh, reasons. So the what if or the how might we, I think would really, really help out. the other thing, I would point people towards a book called A Beautiful Constraint, and there's, uh, I think there's seven or nine what they call propelling questions uh, that just build on, you know, what I was talking about, what Catherine and uh, Patricia offered as well. All right, let's talk about your dream school. So if you were building this dream school, there were really no constraints in terms of resources. Your only limitation was your imagination. What would Catherine Patricia's dream school look like? What would be your three guiding principles?
1: Okay, so I think first guiding principle would be honoring the process over the product. Mm. Uh, I know in here in Canada and I think in the States as well, you know, we have a lot of standardized testing. There's a lot of like looking at that end result and that performance, um, you know, that product that the students are producing. And for some students, that works really well. And for others, it doesn't work as well. And I think, well, what does it look like for us to to honor that process and to really feed into that process. When we talk about, you know, raising up future leaders, it's really that process that they go through, the lessons that they learn that helps them to become the leaders and the innovative thinkers that we need in our world.
0: Yeah, that's really, uh, that's pretty cool. So awesome. Well, let's, uh, (laughs) let's open the dream school. And, you know, I really appreciate like our conversation today and we are talking about your workshops and, and the importance of like putting on the oxygen mask and the importance of, you know, just uh, inviting people into the conversation, right? And honoring their voice. And, you know, you talked about safety and connection. So a lot of high-level ideas. So of everything we talked about today, what do you think is like the one thing you really want a ruckus maker to remember?
1: I think... At the, the kind of end thing I'd love for myself and for us all to kind of think about is for us to mirror what we admire. Mm. I think it was uh, Maya Angelou who said, when we know better, we do better. Yeah. And to think about if we want to see change, we need to actually have that change be in ourselves and to be able to take actions. And sometimes it's imperfect action forward, but you know, we learn as we go and for us to be able to mirror what we admire, then we'll start to see the culture and the change that we want in our communities.